Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of creating a whole new society on the back of a, a piece of scrap paper. Where are you going to put the bathroom? Uh, you're going to have to get another little piece right over there. Yeah. He's going to fold it over just right. You know. So welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are following up our last uh, two episodes on colonies, and we are going to be talking about the nitty-gritty of colony creation. Well, As the- I would call it. Right. <laughs> well, because we have a big air force and things like that, you know, is one of the reasons why we don't have any defense around any of our cities. I mean, anybody can bring, you know, I mean, you know, battleship could theoretically, well, actually, better choice would be submarine because it can usually get through, you know, without detection. Submarine could come in and just start launching missiles or whatever or letting people out. It's the basis for the whole, um, uh, well, the remake of, of the, uh, the uh, originally it was it was the, uh, I'm sorry, the Cubans coming in and, and, and ta- uh, taking over. Red Dawn? Red Dawn, yeah. They yeah. made like three sequels. One of them, which was uh, uh, was North Korea, uh, and I don't know what I don't remember what the other ones are. But basically, they were able to come in and just you know uh, and, and just take out Australia, you know, in, in the one with the the, the North, North Korean, and they they had no defenses. They just simply just came in and did it. You know, I, I mean, whatever defenses they had, you know. They were were taken down, so it came at that point. It became a uh, uh, it it became a insurgent, like a guerrilla war, guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah. you know, which is you know, which if you plan for it is okay. I mean, yeah, you're gonna lose your way of life until you can get rid of them. You know, but you know, if you know, rather than spending you know a really large sum of money against things, you know, in order to build huge walls like our uh, like Reagan wanted, um, I'm sorry, uh, Trump wanted to do. You instead say, okay, you know, we're going to go and have mobile as mobile defenses as you can have. Okay, we're going to train our citizens to to have and to use weapons to defend themselves and our country. Okay, and so so that if if something happens, like somebody comes in and they start attacking a city or a manufacturing point or something like that, the people who live there will flee. Okay into the countryside and then you know form form units and go in and take take it back you know because once you know once you've abandoned an area then anybody who's in it is the enemy and you you know you know it better than anybody so you can start doing yeah you have home court home court advantage right right so you know and now they have to hold something that you knew was on incapable of holding held in the first place okay you got the uh afghanistanis who said, okay, we're going to go and put our main places of, of uh, leadership or whatever so many miles down in the mountains that even with your buster bunker bombs, which are like $500,000 a pop, okay, yeah. you're still not going to be able to take them out. And uh, oh. which, which has proven very effective. They did. They may have to have a couple of successes, but, most, but that's one reason why Afghanistan 
continued to resist the, both the Russian oh, and yeah. also the American uh, campaigns that were there. They oh, have no. they uh, have developed a skill of guerrilla insurgency. Oh no, no. If 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 you all want to look up something on YouTube or webinar, I'm sure it's there and it has to do with this. It the the, the guerrilla warfare of the Afghanis, they're Literally, you have a guy with, like, basically homemade bolos incapacitating a tank, a Soviet tank, and, you know, the top of the the Soviet war machine era. JFGI, you know, just Frelin Google it. And just this guy, as I said, homemade bolos, thick twine, two rocks, and, you know, you know the Indiana Jones thing, sticking in the treads and stopping and then just taking all the soldiers. Oh, no, the Afghanis, because they had the home court advantage, they knew every hill, every rock, every tunnel they made, every bit of scrub, and the Soviet war machine came in, and they just could not take Afghanistan. But it's that one scene of just one of these citizens out in the desert in the mountains taking out this tank. And, yeah. Okay, so what, one it's, take... It's not so much that they couldn't take it, it's it's like we discovered with our military as well. Is we could take the territory, we couldn't clear all of it we could take the cities but then you're just you're just waiting for those guerrilla fighters to come out of the woodworks and plant bombs or do suicide attacks and and it takes way way more soldiers to completely pacify a territory than to claim it in the first place yeah yeah holding is always harder than initially conquering okay uh which is why you know you said you you, you, we laugh at the way they did warfare back in the uh, the 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 year 1000 to the 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 1600s but you know that whole we fight till winter comes and then we 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 sue for peace with each other and then everybody all 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 those uh you know uh people in the uh uh the gorillas they all go home you know they get to stay in their homeland we just took this part is ours you know or whatever i'm I'm simplifying of course but uh yeah so uh uh going and scattering the population to avoid bombardment and to cause opponents to overextend themselves trying to you know to fight you is a, is a great idea and of course you know if you after, you know they always send their um, you know they always send their strongest fighters in you know in first right their best skilled whatever and if you can keep you know let them expend themselves like that and and kill those best fighters then the people they send in to replace them are really bad usually you know and we're wow, seeing that's... this in, with the russians where mm-hmm. they're literally mm-hmm. grabbing conscripting people on the streets giving them no training sending them out and saying okay <clears throat> you're going to run a tank now and these people are you know and there's no spirit to core there's no understanding about of tactics or anything else it's like i see a target i'll, I'll fire the tank and when the tank runs out of big big you know shells they give up because from what they can see they're about to all die they don't want to die so it's and and you know when you you know i only in science fiction do you have these really elite conscript non-conscript troops you know i mean the romans yes you had your centurions who were over elite groups but they not not most of the people who were out there were just you know the guys especially the guys who held the cities and and after the initial fighting they were just people you know, they were people who thought that you know, uh, uh, be, you know, being a member of the military was either a they weren't given a choice, or b it was better than digging in the dirt for their lives for their. Family. It was a, it was a path to some sort of wealth or 
gory or or reliable not, food or something yeah. Yeah, reliable yeah. food you know a higher coin, standard of living coin in your pocket you know so and uh so you know and and, and you know well yeah it's that whole sun the whole sun Tzu thing an army travels on its stomach you're gonna you have to feed your soldiers well a uh, little tip here that's why my dad enlisted for vietnam my grandfather was an abysmal cook he actually looked me dead in my eye and said robert i joined the army to get better food and i looked at him i said yeah dad i've had grandpa's cooking i remember so yeah but that's old that's the art of war sun Tzu. i'm like foxworthy if i'm lying i'm dying uh, right. okay you know but and... no that's sun Tzu, the art of war that's one of his basic tenets an army travels on its stomach right okay you're gonna you know you're he's gonna get fed yeah right but then if you do do that where everybody is armed everybody is is uh you know has protection where they're all expected to keep a weapon on them possibly at all times you know a, a literally an armed population okay you your government has to be either you know it has to have the hearts and minds of its population uh, at an unbelievable level, or you know, there, it's going to have to be more responsible to its population uh, because they've got guns. They could rise up against their own government at, at any, you know, unless there was a clear and present danger, which I, you know, which may be how they were able to do it in 1984. There was always a war going on; it never ended. So you know, they even though they trained people how to be soldiers, they never. You know they were they were never trying to turn those weapons against their own powers to be because there was an imminent threat out there for them to fight against. So yeah, they were always fighting some proxy war against but, but, the but, other two nations, and which whichever enemy nation it was varied from like you know year to year. And a lot of it also is propaganda. You you find a point that you know that a culture wants to hate, and yeah, you have a constant enemy, and that will distract them and keep them. Yeah, if we pointed at them, you know, they're, they, them over there are the ones that are, you know, the problem. You're not going to rise up against your own government. So yeah, it's these people were... Well, the government is protecting you from the bad guys. Yeah. No, you're yeah. protecting the government from the bad guys. Yeah. See you're that? our heroes. You're going to go out and make this country better by doing this yeah that type yeah, as of, long as you as long as you have that that's good if if you if you buy into our leaders are protecting us from the bad guys that's when you've given up you know your 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 i um well you're basically giving up your your freedom you know it's it's one of the reasons why americans are very strict you know strict about that sort of thing and a lot of other nations too i mean they you know they they a lot of nations you know uh, take a very dim view of the government saying, oh, just don't worry about it. We'll take care of everything. We'll protect you. Don't worry. Because, you know, his, you know, unless they have complete control, like they did in 1984, of history, uh, the recorded record, uh, people, the truth, will, you know, gets out. So, okay. So since we've gotten around to talking about the powers that be, let's talk about what kind of ruling body do you want in your colony, okay? What's... What's your, you know, uh, Jonathan, do you have a favorite? Uh, if we're doing the classic far away from home, you're, you are, you are the bastion of, of your civilization in this strange new world. I mean, it's going to depend on a lot of what you're used to, but I would say you're probably going to have to go with like some sort of democratic or, or at least Republican style, you know, form where people get a say, because if you're assuming, you, you mean, a assuming you mean a representative government, some sort of, some sort of representative yeah, yeah. government. Yeah. Cause if, if you're, if you, I'm assuming have a fairly low population of only a, you know, maybe a thousand or 2000, then yeah, if you, if you get into some 
factionalism, your colony could really go down quick. Yeah, it's, disagreements it's, on resources and yeah, policy and all that. Yeah, with, with a low population, any volatility is a risk of extinction of that colony. Yes, yes. Um, so I want to try and give everybody as much of a voice as they can so that they they have that little little like outlet of their frustrations and yeah let we them argue sit there the, and let yeah. them argue on the parliament floor you know and or even get into fistfights on the parliament floor as long as they're not taking it to the streets well you yeah. know that that can you know uh in some ways in a lot of cultures they have it both ways okay basically where um uh, everybody you know of legal age gets to vote for their representative, but their representative has to be born to power. They have to be of a certain class. So, you know, you, you maintain, you know, the, pe the people who are in power stay in power, but everybody who is, you know, the, the common people, the, the, the uh, uh, plebeians, you know, they still feel like they have a say because they've got their guy, you know, to speak for them. Yeah, I can easily see that um, coming out of like very oligarchical or, or plutarchal cultures or corporate colonies, especially. Okay. Because I like, mean, okay, here's your choice, but it's our, it's our pre-selected choice of people we want in the position. Right. You know, be, be, you know, we, uh, right. You know, you may choose amongst these candidates. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we, you know, cause I mean, everybody let, you know, let's face it, you know, all of our, our, our histories, all of our, especially our folklore, whatever, the, the the people we really like are the benevolent dictators, right? The good king, correct? Or good queen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what everybody yeah. wants at some, to some level or another. Yeah, that's yeah. what. Yeah, you know, whether it's Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead, Arthur of the Round Table, um, and this is where, there, you know, there's some really good examples in Chinese lore, but I can't, I can't pronounce their names, so I, I'm not going to embarrass anybody by trying to do so um you know they're uh well you know uh, uh uh john whatever with pocahontas john smith right you know uh you know and of course for so much of our history you know uh, uh you know you you may think that your representatives uh, in america you might think that your representatives and senators are a bunch of scumballs okay but the guy who's chosen usually from the same lot, okay, who becomes president. He is a man of the people. He's our representative. He's our guy. We can believe in that guy, okay? You know, even though it's from the same group that we revile, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's the whole thing is that I've kind of had to explain this today, and we're not trying to get, no. but when our president was a senator, yeah, his record's clear. Yes. And now we're hearing, oh, yeah, he's done this and this and this and all this, and I'd look at the person and go, yeah, it's because they have a microscope up their butt. They have no choice but to be a man of the people. And, that's, they, they and, and, are and if that's what it takes, good for, I'm glad it works. I mean, that means, right. that means yeah. the system is working, okay? Yes, and, and I agree. Okay, so, um, but, um, so, you know, and, and the problem with all benevolent dictatorships is that the ruler never dies, okay? The ruler dies, and then it's, the ruler then is replaced by someone who is, wants the job more than anybody else does, okay? Well, what's and, that old phrase? The person who wants to be leader is often the worst choice? Exactly, but it doesn't change the yeah. fact that's usually the one who becomes leader. 
Okay, and so so that's one reason why dictatorships almost always fail. Uh, event, you know, eventually, and unfortunately, they fail in in a lot of our uh, in our nation. They are replaced by more of the same. Okay, so uh, as much as it may, you know, we may find a frisson in our hearts about it. You know, I don't think that's a good way of doing it. Um, it's uh, now uh, if you want to go the route of the not benevolent. Okay, as in like the benevolent dictatorship now becomes a not benevolent dictatorship. You have the corporate hack, right? The guy that was, you know, has been been sent in by the uh, by the, the the company that basically is paying for the uh, well, not paying. They're footing they're footing the investment uh, yeah. for the colony, uh, and that person's job is to make sure that the colony succeeds. Okay. And by succeeds, it means brings back value to the persons who put money into the column. Make you know. sure the profit number keeps going. The pro high. There has to be some right. profit, yeah. or otherwise, why are we yeah. doing this, right? I mean, now we did talk about reasons for doing that were not linked to profit, but you know, so as long as they are fulfilling the reason for the colony, that's a good thing, okay? But it doesn't mean when you're a corporate hack, if that's all you care about is achieving those goals, there's a lot of bad things that can happen along the way. So, um, uh, like, like, yeah, like Matthew McConaughey and Wolf of Wall Street pumping up those rookie numbers, yeah. Those are rookie numbers. Yeah. Yes, right. It could just be, you know, making sure that your corporate, you know, sponsors are getting all the sweet, you know, uh, contracts and, and things for the colony and and, trans and trade deals. And I'm sensing Avatar here with the unobtainium mm -hmm. and making sure that the mining company, yeah, 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 it, it's... Again, it, it all comes down, if it's a corporate-funded colony, it's all going to come down to the dollar, the credit, the oh, new yeah. yen, whatever. But like, even yeah. if it isn't, even if it isn't, if it, uh, if it is a lucrative enough position, no matter what it's, the colony's purpose is, if it's a lucrative enough position, you're going to have, assuming you have you know freely run corporations in this uh, universe or, or world, they're going to be trying to find their way into power just to increase their own profit yeah right yeah. i mean they'll oh. act like they're working for the company's best interest but right. then they're lining their own pockets yeah well all, absolute power corrupts absolutely all uh, all organizations seek to increase their their area of influence and you know and to increase their uh, and, and and to increase their perceived uh, success yeah so Usually by trying to, you know, spread and, you know, take over anything that's related to what they are, you know, i.e. Microsoft. But they're not the only ones. <laughs> they're just the most blatant example of that. So, but you, uh, another, but there is another option under corporate. It's not benevolent, but at the same time, it, it basically produces its own checks and balances because that you can have a corporation who, and, and the, the officers of the corporation are elected, but then all everything that the corporation does is outsourced. So it, it's like you know you it's, there's there's different companies you know in the colony that do certain services, and so you have them bid on this on the services you want on a five year, ten year, yearly, depending upon how often you get you you change over your corporate management. Uh, and and they you know uh, and or at, there's a review after such amount of time and you, and you see are they doing <clears throat> are they doing it are they making their goals are they delivering what they promised <clears throat> if they don't then you you look back to the initial businesses okay who was close to them that maybe we should give them a chance you know and see if they do a better job so and it's like we don't 
you know, we, oh, oh all your people over here are suddenly not going to have, are, are suddenly, you know, the, your, your work is going to be cut by 100% and your people aren't going to have jobs. That's not our problem. Maybe you should go work for that other company that's, that we're now hiring. So that's what I'm saying, not benevolent. Okay, but it can be very, very efficient because everybody has to come up with the most efficient way of doing things and deciding how to deliver the result that's being asked to them. And you have, you know, and, and because there are so many different services, so many different goals, whatever, you know, that go in the running of a colony, you have, you know, a wide, you know, you know, a wide area of people. So, you know, you don't get, you know, in, except, at, of course, in the, the people who make the decisions as to who gets to, who gets the contracts, okay, um, you know, you, you don't have a concentration of power, is what I'm trying to say. And you have other, it, yeah, you don't, well, you, you don't have, like, one company basically running a hundred different services and therefore getting half the city budget. At least you shouldn't. And if you do, then you end up with uh, uh, Rapture. <laughs> in uh, the Bioshock Rapture uh, story. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. touching yeah. my head. I was like, this sounds like uh, Rapture and, you know, the, the police is a is a, organiz a private organization. and Please refer to our Bioshock episodes we did about a year or so ago for this, folks. Yeah. Um, let me, let, I, I think I have an example as far as the corporate and, okay, contract. Let's say, okay, you're a colony and your corporate colony is mining you found a planet that might be suitable for mining certain minerals that are needed back on earth they have the more unobtainium than any any place right. else has ever found but that's their thing mining so they're going to give contracts out you know you could feed our miners your company that is you know an agricorp you know you could feed our miners so they mine better you know we'll you know, you can, you know, put in a bid to, you know, feed our people and we'll make it, you know, a decent contract for you. And we're new at every five years or whatever. So something like that, an agricorp company feeding the miners on a planet and it's due to a corporate bid. Or they'll go to several agricorps and say, which one are you the lowest bid to feed our miners on this world to get an unobtainium, which if we get it, it's going to benefit everybody. So I would think that'd be the best example of the services are by bid and contract. Because you got to feed these miners. And, you know, of course, also, yeah. if it's a mining company, they're going to need medical care. Right. But you're also going accident. to have to have more than one, you know, group that can provide that service. Because otherwise you say, well, you can hire, you know, you, <clears throat> you can buy any car you want as long as it's black, says, you know, Mr. Ford. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's well, one of the problems about this is that your colony has to be large enough that you can have multiple providers of services. Yeah, because if you have yeah. just small enough colony and you only need one firehouse, then that one firehouse has got the monopoly on fire prevention. And if they decide yeah. they don't like their, their contract, suddenly the fire starts spreading. But more importantly, they can simply say, <clears throat> you know, we're uh, you know we're the trained people here. You if you don't give us what we want. You know, if you don't compensate us the way we want to be compensated, then yeah, we're 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 gonna, you know, we're gonna make sure the fire doesn't spread, but we're not gonna put it out either. Oh no, yeah. there's been cases of that. Oh, oh god, I read this on my show years ago, or one of my co-hosts did. Oh, back and when there were multiple fire departments in cities. Yeah, and I think it was in like uh, Tennessee. And no, this was like maybe five, six years ago. I'm reading this, and I'm just, and it was in a subdivision and a house is on fire and the other house is nearby and for some reason the fire department didn't and they could have 
it was found out later that they could have done something. It's just because, oh, you didn't pay this fee for the fire department. And sorry, your house burned down because a stray ember landed on your house and they didn't do anything. And of course, I'd never heard of this. I'm thinking if you're in a municipality, the fire department's there, it's paid by taxes. And I'm just sitting there on my show dumbfounded. Like, wait, what? Hold it? No, that's if it's the such and such city of Tennessee fire department, they're supposed to protect the entire city. And my newsreader at the time, I forget who it is. I think it was Z, uh, Goth Bunny's fiance. And he's like, no, no, that's for some reason, these people didn't pay the service and i'm like okay then that means they have a privatized fire and these people lost their homes because of it so yeah i okay i'm seeing now what the yeah 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 and see this is what happens when you know public services don't also require an ethics um you know yeah uh, uh, you know a, a an ethics stance and eth i don't know what you want to call it a vow uh, uh whatever you know, um, and, and basics, uh, contractual obligations, a social obligation, you know, that and, and we're fine and we're seeing it happen, you know, in the in the fire department. We're seeing it happen in the police department. You know, we're seeing it happen. I think I think they do that in San Francisco now. I think uh, the, the fire or the police department is privatized. I, that was something in the movie. Um, oh, God, Bruce Boxleitner, Christian Slater cuffs. And I guess Christian Slater's character was the younger brother of Bruce Boxleitner who I guess was killed on duty. And so the younger cop's brother inherited ownership of the police department because I guess in San Francisco they have privatized. Yeah, and I'm just watching this movie okay. again. You know, I, I, I may have to watch that movie because I, I've never heard of this. Okay. Yeah. Oh no. It was. Yeah. It was. It's, it it sounds like you know, an alternate fantasy, <laughs> but apparently it just it was. But I'm I'm still there going. Wait a minute. Privatized police department. I thought it was all paid by you know the tax dollars that my dad and mom complained they had to pay every year. What's going on here? Yeah. So again, th this this privatizing utilities and stuff. It's the phrase who watches the watchman. You got to make sure that these people are doing things correctly and ethically and not screwing people over. Yeah. And as soon as you said an ethics committee, that was the first thing that popped in my head. The old phrase who watches the watchman. Right. Because when you give people the right to kill you, you really want there to be a ethical standard by which they are held. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I kind of would prefer that. And again, though, if I'm a corporate bigwig, as, as long as the numbers go up, I'm happy. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it depends. Again, it kind of depends on the, the governance of this colony and, and what their priority is. Are they really caring about their citizens or are they just trying to make numbers go up? OK, so um, uh, and of course, you know, if, if a colony is established by a church, it usually always already comes with a hierarchy and a. In, in a yeah. sense, a, a corporation, and the the downside, of course, is, is that well, there you also there is a sense of ethics. It, depending on the religious, there is a an ethical code. Yeah. They should right, but it also yeah. but it also comes with the uh, perhaps a uh, an inability to contest the decisions of those above you. Yeah, well, of course, they were put there by you know their divine right. Of course, yeah, yeah. I ha that you have to the... follow the rules that I'm telling you. Uh, God told me to tell you to follow. Yeah, I am basically God's voice. Yeah, and usually that's weird. It's very weird that you hear of a religious space. Well, no, again, we're going back to what we talked about last time with religious space. You know, like, oh, we want to make a re we want to make a colony go to a world and live our way because of our our religious culture, which could be Mormon, Judaism, Islamic, whatever. 
And so, yeah, you have the built-in leader there. So, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm, I was looking at this here on the religious hierarchy. Oh, wait, we talked about this the last episode. Yeah, it, it is built-in leadership. And depending on if it's, it could be just a elder or it could be, if it's a vastly hierarchical religious entity, yeah, you're going to have the stuff like the Catholic diocese, you know, Pope, Cardinals, Bishop, mm -hmm. Archbishops, Bishops, and yeah. Sure. Down and, the ladder to go. Yeah. And if you are, uh, <clears throat> you know, and if this is a strong organization with a lot of power uh, in the sense of being able to directly affect people's lives, it would make sense that every family would 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 make sure they sent one of their children off to be to join that group, you know, as just so they'd have representation. And if your if their child rose through the ranks and became important, then they have even better representation. You know, some people he says everyone is equal, but some people are more equal than others. Yeah, yeah, but it's the, easier the, it's the easier to get have, justice when you're the judge. Plus, yeah, it's obvious that the the great ones have favored this family. Look how strong their son rose into the ranks. Or daughter. They're oh yeah, they, they are obviously a blessed bloodline. So yes, of course they deserve you know everything we can do to bend over backwards for them. And that and that certainly has happened historically. So you know, uh, you know. I mean, ideally, religious hierarchies are there to serve the people below them, you know, to make sure that everybody has what they need in order to, you know, live, you know, up, you know, uplifting lives, you know, and that their their needs as, as human beings are met. OK, but when you also have the ability to declare somebody basically damned by God or gods, OK, uh, then you're, you know, as, as a as a believer or as someone under their authority, you know, they basically can say your life is, you know, is now going to be risked in order to deal with that. And you have no and you have no say about it, because if you don't follow my uh, the rules, then your soul may may end up, you know, in a uh, in a, you know, in a bad place. Yeah. And of course, when you get the religious hierarchy that, you know, ruling, then, you know, when the question of coming upon an indigenous culture comes up, you have the whole heathen. Thing, or infidel or well it doesn't yeah, have to be that way and like I say lots of you know lots of religious groups have been fine with you know uh interacting with other religions around them you know i mean the you know again back to the israelis you know they have they certainly have their their own religious hierarchy you know but they for hundreds if not thousands of years they got along they got along relatively well with people who were worshipers of other gods they didn't respect yeah. those other gods but they res they respected the people they and you, accepted the beliefs and, the and they treated yes. honorably with okay yeah. so you know so you you can still and and you can still do that with with uh, people who are not of your religious faith, who are living amongst you. Okay, you don't have to, you know, you, you can give them the benefit, you know, just because they don't believe in exact in, in what you believe in doesn't mean you don't give them the same human rights that would be given to your own people. You know, even if they don't, you know, they don't have the same body shape as a human or something. You know, so that that's. That's you know that's always the best way to go because as I say if you once you start drawing up lines of us and them, then eventually someone says well we don't need them and and and, and uh, there's been a couple of cases where uh, uh, they they tried that and they ended up being eliminated. The, yeah, uh, it's always if you know if it's us and them, well then 
if we get rid of them, then we can have their stuff. Or our lives would be better without their evil influences. Because we'll have their stuff. Well, maybe yeah. not their stuff, just <laughs> peace. You know, mm-hmm. this perceived peace. Now, I, I think that most most organizations are looking to get stuff, whether it be land, whether it be, you know, I don't know, more authority because look look at me, I'm successful, I did did whatever. You know, it, it all depends on that conduit back to the larger group because you're a colony and, you you know, somewhere out there people are looking and saying, yes, this person's done very well. Let's bring, you know, let's either give them more power, give them more authority, move them to a, a, a nicer place or bring them back and let them work on bigger things. I don't know. You know, it's there's always that, you know, no man is an island situation where people may... You know, if if not for themselves, for their children, you know, no, I can't leave here. I got work to do here. However, my son and daughter, you know, that if you want to bring them into the training program back on the capital city, that would be just fine. Thank you very much, Your Eminence. Okay, now of course you you, you can have a lot of fun by throwing in change-ups because you know you, it, it, you know, sometimes you know you may have a colony that is not from the more traditional sources at all. And so one of the examples I put here is, this is actually a pirate base. This was actually a place where they were going out and laying waste, I say laying waste, they were they were robbing people, okay? They are taking their stuff and they are bringing it back to the colony and and they were you know using it to enrich themselves and live good lives and things like that. But then, you know the uh, the pirate the elder pirates decided eventually that you know we built up this place enough. Why don't we just become land barons <clears throat> instead and stop going out and risking our lives? And now uh, it's, yes. it's a full blown colony. You know, much yes, like a lot uh, of the island nations in the Caribbean. Yep, yep, yep. yep. A perfect example in role playing games, and they've even done it now for Pathfinder. The setting of Freeport from Green Ronin Games, where it was a pirate base on the the coast of, you know, mainland and the archipelago of various coved islands. And after a while, you had, I want to say there's seven, it's been a while since I've delved into the Freeport setting, but they do have a Pathfinder up. It was 3035, and they've since done stuff for Pathfinder. And basically now they're like the seven brothers, and it's the seven families of like, I think it's like two humans, a half or a dwarf and an elf or a, a gnome and an elf or something like that. And the gnome is the one who brings firearms. Yeah. So they, it was a pirate code and they just realized, you know what, we can make a lot more money if, you know, we're legit. And so now, and it still has that pirate feel. Yeah. You still or I've lost a leg and an eye there. and maybe I don't want to lose anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'd like yeah. to keep the body parts I have <laughs> left. Yeah. It's more lucrative to sell this, you know, spices than, you know, take it from somebody else. And, and less li- likely and to lose body parts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The example that comes to my mind, because I worked there, was the uh, the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Um, it started off as, oh, a, yeah. as a Spanish outpost. You're older than you look. <laughs> oh, yeah. I came out <laughs> of hiding. Um, it started off as a Spanish outpost, and then it was taken over by the English. And then, uh, then Sir... John White uh, struck a deal that allowed him to establish an actual civilian colony on that site. And, of course, it's before they got there that the the English bugged out. So... Ah, leaving the one word etched on the stone. No, 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 no. This this is the military... 
garrison bugged out before the civilian population arrived. Oh, okay. So these civilians are getting here and expecting a military fort right next door, and they're it's empty. And like, and that's where they found the stone with yeah. No, that actually happened later, but but that was the thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The colonists came here expecting military backup, expecting to be supporting a military garrison that had fled before they even got here. So, oh, okay. Oh. And so that was part of the reason they had such trouble is because they didn't have the military backup they thought they were going to have. And, oh, yeah, it turns out that the lo- one of the local Indian tribes hates our guts for something that the military garrison did. Ah, oh, okay. So okay. that's part of the reason why John White had to leave to go back to England to get more support. And then the English-Spanish war erupted and he couldn't get back in time. And by the time he did get back, years after he had expected to, that's when he discovered the colony was empty and the words Groatan etched on the tree and on a, a fence post. Okay, yeah. All right. See, I never knew it was a... I thought it was a British colony all along. Okay, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it like started I said, as a Spanish. I, and I, and I, oh, okay. I, I don't know if it was the exact same site. That's the thing. It's just... I know that there was a Spanish fort in the area that was... And then a, an English fort was established, you know, basically to say, okay, this is ours now. And then, yeah, the, the English fort... The, the, the fort is still there. You can still see that, like Bruce said, that star-shaped earthworks pattern oh okay in, yeah in the national park there um but yeah by the time the actual civilian colonists arrived that they they had the the military had abandoned that post yeah and i remember it was still they don't know if they just got wiped out or just the, the Pre- civilian colonists and prevailing, just theory, went prevailing theory is they just they hooked up with the local indian tribe that they were friends with and they, they just, went native yeah native because yeah. there's reports of blue-eyed Indians after that point. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Like I said, folks, I keep learning something new every time we get on this Skype call. Yep. Well, we hope our audience is Thank also you, getting stuff out of this. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, if you're going to do your own version of The Lost Colony of Roanoke, as I've seen in numerous, numerous <laughs> spinoffs and... And variations, at least get it right. Yeah. Oh no, there's a, a spinoff in um for Roanoke, but they did it time-wise. That it, it, in the book Temporality from Dark Quest Games, they did Roanoke, the Lost County. It's it was scooped up and put into a little pocket outside of time called a haven. So yeah, it's in role-playing games that they've done the Roanoke County mystery. So yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm only a stickler for it because again, I I worked the outdoor theater there for three summers, so I'm I'm kind of oh, a okay. For the story. <laughs> I, okay. I, I, okay. I know the, the the fictional story and the pres, the best theories as to what really happened. Oh, let's see here. Um, yeah, there's always, uh, and then of course, you know, there's there's, there's 1632 uh, where you uh, transported a modern city into, uh, you know, into Europe in the year 1632. And then, you know, here you got, you know, and so they had to immediately, you know, they uh, start forming, you know, they, they had, to, <clears throat> had to decide immediately whether or not they wanted to continue to have their leaders be their leaders <clears throat> because, you know, in a, if it's America, you know, half the people that, you know, voted, for, nearly half the people voted for another candidate for all the elected positions in any city. So, you, you know, if you want to, these, you know, are we going to keep voting, you know, and uh, and stuff like that, which is why, uh, which brings us to really our last topic, uh, which is basically, you know, the, the, the inner structure kind of thing, you know, the, the things that basically are, you know, how, how the, what, you know, the things that really make the city work. Okay. You know, uh, at least in a positive way. Okay. Are there checks and balances, 
you know, in this, in this culture, in this, you know, or is there not? I mean, the, you know, the, the classic, you know, corporate hack thing where, you know, you're all serving the company, they can put, send you off to do dangerous things. And if you say, no, I'm not going to do it. says, fine, we're going to ship you back to earth on cryo and you get nothing. You, you might even come back with like a, a fine, a negative amount that you can end up having to pay, you know, the rest of your life, you know, because you basically violate your contract. Okay. Corporate well, servitude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, so what is, you know, what are the checks and balances do you have, you know, and I like the idea, you know, that Jonathan said about there being a representative form of government, you know, where you know, coming from a, a, a um, preferably uh, a uh, universal suffrage, uh, because otherwise you set up some people to, you know, everyone's equal, but some people are more equal than others. And that always, and that never ends up well in the long run. Uh, if you're just trying to come in and scoop out the... Uh, uh, th this you know th th this small relatively small amount of unobtainium worth billions and you know, trillions and whatever of dollars then you know that might you, you might say fine we're just going to come in do it and then we're and then the colony is going to be abandoned in 10 years you know so no everyone sees this as basically you know a a, a relatively short-term contract and then you just you read over your articles of, of you know of, of higher, and what the corporation could do to you, and if you're okay with that, then you just do it. But if if you're in it for the long run, then you need something more than that, you know. And so uh, that's why I said, are there checks and balances? You know, uh, tribunals were always a nice thing because there was a tiebreaker by their very nature of being three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, you know, it was it's always good that you know, and, and and we have that you know in our own Senate if there's. You know, it, there's a hundred states. You know, hun, uh, therefore, uh, I'm sorry. There's 50 states. Therefore, 100 senators. If it's 50-50, then the vice president gets to uh, make the deciding yeah. vote. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, they introduced a, a stupid thing. You know, which basically a lot means that if there's any dissent, it, it actually turns into a. You know, you have to get like 65% of the vote. You know, to, to pass something without it being contested. So you know, that so, darn filibuster. See, I, I was trying not to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. It's a pain in my butt. <laughs> but anyways, um, I'm just saying. Other countries don't have it, so yeah. Um, all right, but then you know, how do you know how you know how do you get these? You know, uh, how do people get in uh, in positions? Okay, the worst way of getting into position is to pay for them. Okay, which but a lot of governments go that route because a it's money in somebody's pocket, you know, and b uh, it funds the government. I mean, you know, it may not seem like an awful lot, but if someone pays a hundred dollars you know, uh, for their, you know, to, to get hired to this position. And there's a million people in the government. That's a hundred million dollars that now is being funneled into the government. And if it doesn't go into somebody's immediate pocket, it can be used, you know, to, to do theoretically good things. You know, it's yeah, another form of taxation. And right? even if, you know, the if the colony has any, still has any economic ties back to, you know, the main civilization, that's money that can be invested right. and make more money. Well, it's true. You know, and of course, you know, there's always a big question of who owns what, okay? Because, you know, when uh, the, the colonists who came over to most of these colonies on the east coast of, of America, you know, they were they, they were like corporations. And so, you know, they the, the people who were there working, at least the upper class, the people who weren't workmen, the investors who were there, they were expecting a share of the profits. So, you know, it's, uh, and if they do, you know, so 
uh, under those circumstances, how do people get chosen, you know, in, in positions of rulership? You know, is it by vote? Is it by lottery? You know, uh, because, you know, it's it's almost never going to be there's just one person for the job. And that's so we're obviously going to elect that person. You know, there's... well, I think if it's in a sci fi setting, you're going to have detailed personnel files on everybody from birth on. Oh, this person is specifically skilled in order to be a xenobotanist. Oh, they got the best grades in their primary schooling and when they went to university oh yeah we can compute who has the best grades who has the best psych profile who's going to survive on this world you know psychologically and emotionally yeah you're going to have detailed um records on everybody again depending on you know the level of sci-fi that you have okay so it, it's, it, it's 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 yeah it's you're chosen by univox basically you're chosen by some computational matrix that says you're the best person for this job. Yeah, and I think that would go under both appointed and requested because yeah, it's like, oh, we like what this person has. They're they're they are the most suitable by this algorithm to be in this col this colonization to go out to this. And that works fine and until uh, until some of the people that are coming to your colony are actually you know uh, prisoners. You know they're basically this is a penal colony and they've been sent here because they, this is how this you know you still got ten years on your sentences and this is how you're going to to fulfill your sentence. But, oh, by the way, you're the perfect person for this job. Now, if you help form this colony, you know, time served and you get to live on this world. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Or, you know, at the end of it, they send you home and you gain nothing out of yeah. it. But everybody who's here who wasn't like that gets to, you know, gets to benefit. So. Yeah, but see, you know, they'll, they'll still do it. Okay, time served, your service is done. And, yeah, you you get it out of your system. You it, It's forced labor in a way, yeah. Right. It is forced labor, you know. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's the it's the only form of slavery that's that is still uh, currently supported by the U.S. Constitution. Uh, the uh, but you know you know what happens you know if there's a challenge. What happens you know when someone goes and does their time and then just says, "Hey, you know, I want something different to happen now," or "I was never guilty," you know, and I just you just forced me to spend my life here and I think I should re I should get compensation you know for more compensation than I'm getting okay is this is there going to be anybody that can actually you know rule on a challenge okay or is is this just going to be a, a a list of rules that a judge sits in front of it and just says you know, uh, you know, we're not putting aside any rules. <laughs> we just we add to rules. We don't get rid of rules. You know, and you know, you're and you you've been probably pro. I'm sorry, properly adjudicated. But I mean, that's assuming, of course, you even get that. You know, is there gonna you know is there a place for you to raise a challenge against any rule, against any false allegation, especially over time? You know, if you've been if you have been convicted of a crime. Does that mean that later on, if there's evidence that rises that that exonerates you, does that mean you get set free? Because there's been a lot of cases where people were like, well, uh, actually, no. Uh, what, what happened was they changed the law so that what the person got convicted of no longer could they be convicted of. But since it was a law in effect at the time, they basically still yeah. had to do the time. Okay, yeah. And that's happened quite a bit with the whole drug 
uh, uh, yeah, the whole tra yeah. drug trade issue. And, and even now just marijuana possession. Yeah. Just, right. Right. You know, which there are people in life sentences for dime bags. Right. Yeah. There is. And, and not only that, we have a whole problem where, you know, there are laws that on the state level that forbids certain kinds of trafficking, which are completely legal at the national and vice versa. It's yeah. like, you know, who, you know, it just depends on, you know, make sure you don't get, make sure you don't commit a federal crime. Okay. While high, because then they can tack on, yeah. they can tack on a, a, a additional crimes that would no, would no longer, would not be affected you at the state level or vice versa. Again, I don't, I don't know all the specifics, but anyways, so, and, uh, and like, yeah. And who enforces, you know, uh, uh, any kind of a claim. Okay, if you you know get a some kind of judicial body, or you get some individual in power to say, yes, you're right. You, you, we should change this, or you have been treated badly, and you should gain this advantage. Who's you know who's in required you know to make sure it happens, make sure that that judgment is executed. There's a lot of cases in a lot of countries where nothing happens when you, you know, uh, you literally can, people can be brought up and convicted of murder and there's nobody, you know, nobody can actually execute that sentence against them because... So they just languish in jail. Well, I'm saying is that the person is actually free. The person, can, even though they were convicted, nobody shows up and takes them to jail for it because mm. they they don't have the right to in any way... Enforce uh, said conviction? Yeah, enforce the conviction. Yeah, there, there are a number of countries like that where if you're a member of the ruling party and you, and you commit murder, you can't be brought up on charges like a regular mm. person can. No one has the rank yeah. to, to arrest you. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you could you could be tried, you know, and all the evidence could be put out, and they could say that it's obvious that this person is guilty, and, and, and the person's like, you know, if you're if you're lucky, you know, you don't get any, any nothing bad happens to you for that. You know, you're unlikely, you know, if you're causing too much trouble, then then you know, knock on the door in the middle of the night, you know, by by a group of people with guns. So, anyways, so it's important that you know that you you know for. I think for the longevity of any colony, that there there be a group within the colony whose job it is to to enforce legal judgment uh, fairly and 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 honorably, okay, and and who is empowered to do so, okay. Uh, you know, it's it's one of the reasons why you know you I I, I I'm my mind wants to go to the tech the Texas Rangers where the yeah. Texas Rangers have certain you know amount of of uh, law enforcement. Powers, yeah. Powers that supersede local government. Yeah. For example, you know, I, I again, this, and and if I'm wrong, folks, that you know, we are talking about a, a role playing games and fantasy worlds, so you know, and, and science fiction worlds, so it can be that way for the the good way on your world, okay? Because otherwise, you know, your world's gonna end up being a dystopia, and you know, it's it's fun to go and and tear down dystopias. You know, if you want to build a place for people to go and, and, and have enemies for them to fight against. But if it's where you come from, then, you know, it's not going to be very satisfying for, for, for your people knowing that your, your loved ones, you know, uh, are, are living in under despotic, you know, uh, situations. And, you know, in the long run, probably won't survive because, all you know, almost uh, because as, as we've seen, you know, is that the, uh, uh, when people become old, they, uh, especially if they believe that their, they, they, their soul has a destination, uh, in, in, you know, uh, angelic or, or eternal, 
uh, uh, Hellfire Realms, suddenly they start thinking about some of the things that have happened in their life and they try to make changes. So, you know, even the uh, most uh, despotic of rulers can suddenly turn over a whole new leaf and change uh, and completely uh, revolutionize the government that you're living in. So, and that can be fun to do in your game too, by the way. Revolutions from within, uh, especially if it's by the ruler itself. So anyways. He's got to clear out the old guard that supported him and don't want him to change things. Right. Well, anybody who doesn't want to change is going to be a problem and you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to have a plan for how to deal with them. You know, my favorite is you throw them in cryo and they wake up in a hundred years and, and they get to bear the consequences of their actions. <clears throat> because you know it's uh it's like well you, if you were working toward a dystopia guess what you have that your dystopia is probably nice and assuming of course that you the 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 uh, uh the revolutionaries didn't actually take over really change things and now the world you're in is a much nicer place and you're like oh dear i guess i i really was a you know a, a pos right that or you're looking at go hmm chance to take it all over again well you can try but of course you know now you got a history one of one of my favorite uh stories uh was about this guy that uh they, they changed the rule the, the the rule system you know basically um uh, if you you could commit any crime you wanted to commit okay but you would have to uh go to this hellhole planet and <coughs> do the time that you would that, that that such a crime would normally in, in, you know uh, do to you you know if you were convicted this would be the minimum sentence that you could possibly get you'd have to do that time in this hellhole and, and there were a lot of people who died who you know I mean in this prison it was designed that way but also it was in a really bad world and this guy was so mad about some wrongs that were done to him that he said okay fine I'm going to do it and so everyone of course you know was like you know oh he's going he's going in for murder yeah and so he goes to the planet he you know he meets the other prisoners you know he actually goes and 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 finds out they're all pretty nice people that just feel like they've been you know they're none of them are sociopaths they're just people that really thought that they were pushed to the edge of something or another oh and by the way if you don't do that and you actually do commit the crime and you get convicted you have to do double the sentence on the same planet which is pretty much a guaranteed death sentence so he does it he manages to go through the whole 10 year or whatever it is and they and they and they, and they send them back uh and he gets out and everybody is like every everybody who walks everyone shies away from him you know because they're like he can kill anybody he's got he has a license to kill he can kill one person you know and and people are coming up to him saying you know i'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if you kill my wife or if you kill my my brother or you kill my boss okay and uh because you know benefit you know and uh he says it you know you and and he's like, no, that's not why I did it, you know. But then he uh, uh, he starts, uh, all these people that he knows starts coming up and begging him not to kill him, saying, I'm sorry that, you know, I... I you know, I, I I embezzled all this money from your business. You know, uh, you know, it, it was just money. Please don't kill me. And then, you know, and then. Uh, other people, you know, and and you know, and finally, you know, it is it, it, it's. And finally, at the end, you know, he goes and says, I'm not going to kill anybody. He says, so many people deserve it. You know, what, how, how could I possibly choose? <laughs> it's like, he says, because it'd been 10 years and the fire, a passion of, of that outrage had long since, 
you know, dissolved away, you know, and so, and finally at the very end of it, you know, he goes and, and drives through a red light, you know, and a police car pulls him over and says, hey, that's a crime. He says, he says, you could go to jail for that. And he holds out his, 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 his licenses, just cut off as much as you think it, it needs. It's not good for anything else. So he's, he's going he's gonna to pay for his, his, uh, his, his red light ticket with his uh, uh, pardon to commit murder. So <laughs> it was a very fun story. But uh, yeah, there's lots of, there's, uh, and there's lots of science fiction out there, especially science fiction where they, they, they go into these kinds of things. Uh, uh, in in the, the moments we have left, uh, do you guys want to make any recommendations for any uh, books that you think might be helpful as far as creating a colony? Uh, I would I, say, okay, go ahead, Jonathan. I was just going to say, um, I have to look up the name of the author again real quick, but it's the, the Bobaverse series. Yeah, it's, it is the Bobaverse series. Uh, the first book in the series is We Are Legion. We Are uh, we are Bob or something like that. It's basically the story of a... a, a modern day computer engineer who uh gets cryo frozen and wakes up as the controlling ai of a space uh von neumann probe sent out to colonize the galaxy galaxy and prepare it for human habitation um but uh, when i'm thinking about it i don't think they really dig too deep into colonization so much as him just exploring so let me let me take that back go ahead Trav, you, I, colonization i would say this the original macross saga which it's hard kind of hard still to get here in the u.s but they deal a lot in future movies that they make about colonization fleets and how they're made and how they're run that would be probably a good thing as far as uh modules i would think maybe that free port from green ronin would tell you how a colony becomes a full-fledged settlement on its own because it's the former pirate haven that becomes its own city-state as it were and becomes legit so i would say that would that might be a good thing if you wanted to cover the pirate the former pirate cove aspect that we talked about and again, that's Green Ronin Publishing. Um, and there is both 3035 and a Pathfinder version for that. As far as books, ugh, nothing really comes to mind as far as colonization, no. Okay. Well, um, I, I I would recommend that 1632 novel by Eric Flint. Uh, because, you know, like I said, I said, they're they're basically having to evaluate how they're going to make, you know, maintain their city after it gets transported, you know, semi-magically into the past uh, and deal with all this the surrounding cultures that are lower tech than they are, but there's an awful lot more of them. And um, and they don't understand things like representative democracy, okay? There's uh, Farmhands Freehold, which is uh, not, uh, not really about a colony. It's about a man uh, and his family, his extended family, that gets transported by a nuclear blast into a parallel dimension where uh, in the future where he lands in the future uh, and they're for a, a long period of time they're actually living in their shelter with the, the th and trying to grow some crops and things like that but then they are captured uh, by uh, the people who actually whose land in which they're actually living which is basically these large uh, 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 empires. They came over from the remnants of the nuclear wasteland. Uh, basically, uh, Africa was not hit very much because at the time there wasn't that much for, 
anybody to hit. You know, there wasn't a lot of industry and stuff like that. So they basically were better suited to re rebound from it. And they, uh, they basically took over America and the rest of the world. And so he's now living under the, the you know, the basically assault of, uh, and he has to navigate that. Uh, he and his family have to navigate that society. And then at the end, he manages to escape and survive. You know, go go back in time, survive the nuclear holocaust again, and then proceed to prosper afterwards. Uh, and uh, there's very little time after that, but other than the fact you know it happened. Okay, so it it, it covers a lot of these these, these kinds of issues. Um, Another one is the Tunnel in the Sky, also by Heinlein, which is a, a, a it's basically the senior trip. Everybody gets together because they're, they're all supposed to go, become colonists in the future. Everybody in this high school are all supposed to become colonists. And so they get together, they go through this portal to this world which is go, you know, which are going to stay on for like two weeks, you know, and uh, and they're supposed to just, you know, do a good job at camping essentially and what happens is is that the portal gets disrupted and they have no idea when they're going to come back and it's all about them trying to create a society you know where the society didn't really exist before how how do you deal with you know a lot of the a lot of the issues like injuries how do you deal with uh identification of dangerous animals and plants uh, and you know how do you choose your leadership how do you, you know, do you maintain your cultural mores, you know, or do you just strike out in whatever direction suits your fancy, you know, uh, and and it's a short novel, but they do a really good job with it. So uh, I like that one a lot. Uh, so those are three examples that I recommend. So uh, uh, Jonathan, have you thought of anything else? The gold standard for me that comes to my mind is the old PC game, Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. Anytime I think about colonization, I think of that, you know, landing on an alien world with hostile life, hostile life forms, and hostile human factions landing as well. And depending on if you got the expansion, hostile alien factions as well. Okay, but what sort of things, I mean, other than the fact you got these groups that are hostile, what are the kind of interactions that are covered in the game? Um, you have to deal with um, the, the alien life that is inevitably, just inimically hostile to human life, so you having to exterminate it away, clear out, low-key terraform the planet, but... The planet doesn't want to be terraformed, so it terraforms back at you. Uh, and then the other human factions are—they're are, all different on based on ideology as opposed to you know any other kind of culture. So sometimes you can work with them towards certain goals. Sometimes you have to fight against them. And then of course the alien races are just completely—they don't want humans here at all. So it was a fun game, and and it it had a, a unique little uh, bit of storyline going along with it. But it was basically it was a Sid Meier civilization game. It was just on an alien planet instead of earth and it used sci-fi technology instead of you know stone age okay all right well thanks everybody for listening to us we hope we've given you enough ideas that when you decide to set up some colonies or some remote bases on other worlds you won't just take it you know do just the you know cookie cutter way of doing it based upon your favorite anime you know or um, or or whatever you know television show uh, arc or something 
uh, but you'll actually put some thought into it and maybe actually come up with some ideas that allow you to explore some uh, some things that you've always had questions about of whether this or that would work and give it a chance to get, you know give kind of a, a, a live treatment. Uh, we hope that, uh, you know, if you have any uh, ideas that uh, we didn't cover that you thought would be really something that would, you know, be something be a, a great idea to concentrate on in a future show, then please, you know, uh, send a note to uh, bsheffer at aol.com or uh, any of the podcast hosts up on the Podbean site. Uh, we're always, uh, or uh, uh, post on fans of, of, uh, of Gaming on the Frontier Game, on, the Frontier on Facebook. Podcasts. Yep. Right. We yep. are always looking for uh, new ideas for uh, new shows. Uh, and uh, we'll be glad to give your idea a fair listen. Anyway, thanks everybody for being here, and we will have more for you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license, no commercial reproduction, and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. You can listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on DementiaRadio.org. Also, the professor and I are each now on Twitch. For me, it's twitch.tv slash trav31369, Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, with campaign notes. The professor is at twitch.tv slash professorpixie. Please check her page for time and date.